today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, he's not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Even if it's a coffee mug. I'll, uh, Whatever I'll, drinking well, vessel you have. You can raise a, a glass of coffee. Yeah. And can toast. I give you my, my uh, cheers for you? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Here's to you, as good as you are. Here's to me, as bad as I am. For as bad as I am, and as good as you are, I'm as good as you are, as bad as I am. Here, here, here. here. <laughs> Dr. Ray, hmm? of all the people I've ever known, you are certainly one of them. I, uh, brings a little tear to my eye. <laughs> my wife he says, stayed up all night last my night. My wife says I don't really communicate emotionally enough, you know, so I found the secret for all men. Mm-hmm. Really, if your wife thinks you're yeah. not feeling like you should be feeling, yeah. very quietly pull several nose hairs, and it makes your eyes water. <laughs> you don't blubber. Oh. You don't blubber. That's an overdone. Yeah, sure. But a little bit of a little bit of uh-huh. a welling of the tears right there. It's a very, very nice touch. That last time I cried like that talking. was when the Browns called the draw play on third and sixteen on the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. that's the last time I cried like that. That is that is practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the stuff that you're here for. I'm Dr. loaded Ray. with it. I mean, loaded with it. You should write a book or something. I'll tell you what, I, I do have a scratch and sniff coming out, so that's good. But don't in time it, for it, Christmas. It, it's parenting, and don't scratch and sniff in the potty training section. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> Fair. Okay. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, hey, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Ray. Last night we had a uh, our annual Theology at the Tower Catholic Radio fundraiser. Um, what, what were your thoughts on it? You get a group that big, 400 people, that says something about this area and the support for mm-hmm. your station and our Catholic faith. So that was truly impressive, by the way. It really was. I felt a little bad. You had that nice, long buffet table. Mm-hmm. And the one lady, she just gave me these dirty looks. And I said to her, I said, well, you don't have anybody else pull a chair up to the buffet like that? <laughs> she said, you've been here three hours. Get out. She's <laughs> like, come on. That is all you can eat. Oh, that's right. Hey, that's what guys do. I had, I had five boys. You go to the buffet. It's a feeding trough. You feed them there. That's all you do. You sit, throw out an anchor for four hours at the buffet. Yeah. That's the way you do it. Now, I don't want to say my wife is not the greatest cook. But at our house, we pray after we eat. <laughs> Just to make sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. So we did. We we had a, we had a lot of fun last night. We had four panel priests. We had, like you said, four hundred people there. Mm-hmm. 
Bishop Condor was there. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. It was awesome. I had yeah. a great time. Well, that speaker, you can't get a speaker like that. That guy was, I, I was clapping for him the whole time. He was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, also, I also thought that. Yeah. yeah. Which one? Me? You guys talking about me? Again? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, Wait, that's it. That's which, that, which that, speaker? I am now confused who we are talking about. <laughs> that is it. <clears throat> well, we start out confused. So, uh, hey, also I want to give you a, a, a thank you for uh, endorsing our book that we just had put out by Ascension Press. You allowed Appreciate to hold it. that up there? Yeah, or? I can hold this up. Know, yeah, right. endorsed there our book, is, Living huh? Beyond Sunday, making your home a holy place. Uh, appreciate that. You were actually the first endorsement that we had. We got on, the, on from the books. I don't know if that says something about your character or not. Well, it says something about your willingness to pay me for using superlatives. Anything with an <laughs> EST or a most, I got eight bucks for. Yeah. So that was nice. But you, you, you didn't have any verbs. You didn't use verbs. No, you weren't paying me for that. <laughs> uh, so uh, for those who don't know, you have a uh, EWTN radio show. You're on Catholic ra- uh, TV as well. Doctor is in from... I do my own stunts. You, you're, my own there's no, no stunt doubles. No body doubles. Nope. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, from noon to, to one, the doctor's in central. central time. Central time, yeah. Yep. Uh, on most EWN radio and podcasts, I'm assuming as well, right? Yes. Um, and then the, what's the EWN TV? Living part? Right with Dr. Ray. Okay. Living Right with Dr. Ray. They're in 12th season now. Okay, I was going to ask, how long have you been doing that? 12 years. We have we have close to four really top-notch shows. Mm-hmm. That's great. After 12 years? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. You know what? That's pretty good. When we, when we do a rerun, you know how people say you do a rerun, it's like, oh, the best of! least worst of uh-huh. the least, the worst, least of? worst of Dr. I respect that yeah right. <laughs> uh, you also so you have you have 10 children 10 kids that's why I'm here it's quieter here and it smells better yeah and I have and I have four and one on the way yeah so and I noticed you, the smell is starting to drift into yeah. here too a little bit the, the <laughs> studio here yeah luckily they're still under the age of 10 and I, I, yes from what I understand the research shows I haven't been there myself he likes that, to sound intelligent that, like that, that they, they smell worse on the other side of Roughly 10. Well, boys, you don't want to go into a boy's room without tying a rope around your waist so somebody can pull you out if <laughs> something in happens case. in there. Yes. Yeah. Good Jewish wisdom right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 10 kids or 10 children all adopted? All adopted. Okay. Uh, and your oldest is now? 35. Youngest is? 23. So we had them all under 12 at one point. I didn't go home. I UPSed stuff to my wife. Said, You're doing a great job, honey. Keep up the great work. Moral support. Yeah. Well, I'm with you every step of the way. Because she also homeschooled. She did. And I told her, she was, she struggled. She said, I don't know if I can do this. I said, honey, stay one week ahead in the answer book. That's all. Just one week ahead in the answer book. You'll be fine. Uh-huh. That's right. And yeah. you know the nonsense about homeschool? There's so much nonsense about homeschool that's out there in the secular mindset. Sure. But one of the things is that homeschoolers as a group achieve at the 80th percentile on uh, aptitude, not aptitude, achievement tests, okay. 80th percentile. Now, the 50th percentile is the is where average. The, the average is. So 80th, 80th. Secondly, there's research that's been done that said they're more sociable mm-hmm. than their public school counterparts. They're more comfortable. No kidding. Absolutely. They're more comfortable around adults. They volunteer more. They are more mature. And in a nod to the shrinks, their self-image is higher. Hmm. So that's the other thing. Uh, a fourth, a third thing. Why do, is there? Do you know why those those things are? Yes, several reasons. Who who are the best educators of kids other than loving parents? That's the first thing. Second mm-hmm. thing, when they talk about what about their socialization, uh, I think I'm a better socializer of my children than 21 other th- third graders. Yeah, and I mean the level of interaction that they're going to have. I mean, yeah, because if you're in a class 
a lot of the day you're sitting there being quiet. Whereas at home, you're going to be actually interacting, you know, in a more one-on-one My wife was surprised situation. that by and large in the elementary levels, they got done by about noon. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. That's, and that's our, that's our experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's our experience depending on um, the struggle for the day, you know? Uh, well, you let them in the house. See, that, that's uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we let the boys in the house. Tuesdays, yeah. Thursdays, and Saturdays, the girls. And then Sundays, everybody comes in because it is Sunday. Right. You know, you, have, you have to have that kind of cohesiveness. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Like, look, you stay outside until your math is done. I don't care if it's January. I feel, okay? yeah, I feel bad a little bit around Christmas time because yeah. the lights are on and we're sipping hot chocolate. You know, <laughs> they're like peeking in. in the window. Yeah, and they're steaming it up. <laughs> hey, hey, quit breathing on the glass. That's I told you about I that. I just wiped that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I also noticed that homeschool kids, they will look you in the eye when they're talking. Yes. That's a, that's a big their thing. Their communication skills are much better. I mean, they don't... I'll share with you a story. My son was in parochial school till second grade. In the second grade, he started the old, Mom, don't get too close to me. Mom, don't walk next to me. Mom, drop second me off. Second grade? Second grade. Wow. Wow. So after we brought him home, that all disappeared. He held hands with his mothers. He held hand with his mother. He held hands with his sister. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all of the peer rules disappeared, hmm. and he just became a little boy again. Yeah, like me, kind of like a seventh grader, pretty much. I topped out. <laughs> the one of the challenges that, like, I think we we have with homeschooling, and I'm sure a lot of people do, is that your children will often be a lot worse to you as the parents than they would to a teacher. That's you know, the irony, Dave. You have ten times the authority than a teacher has. I know. I mean, you can you can delay lunch. You can put green beans and toast mm-hmm. for lunch. And I am not afraid to do any of that. You have massive authority. Teachers don't have a fraction of your authority. So when the number one reason that parents who want to homeschool stop discipline, mm-hmm. that's by far the number one reason they can't get the kids to cooperate. And wow, that well, they realize. They, they, they negotiate or they overtalk instead mm-hmm. of using the authority that they have. For example, we had a simple rule. No privileges at all until schoolwork is done. That's it. Yeah. It's that simple. Straightforward. So you're not going out. You're not watching anything. You're not, you're not playing with your games. Not, no dessert. Nothing. Right. My daughter had some learning problems. So as a result... One of the things she would do is, is, is stall. When you have somebody that struggles a little bit, they start to stall. It's yeah. like, this isn't pleasant, so I'm going to play the waiting feet. game. Yes. So she had like eight math problems, all well within her ability. Not doing them, just kind of sitting there. Well, me being a highly trained professional, I used a technique that very few men should even try. That's because I am the professional. Yes, right. Professional. Do not attempt this at home. My wife had ordered a pizza. So the pizza came, and my daughter jumped up. Pizza! And we just looked at her. We said, yeah, when the math is done, you know, it's a miracle. Three minutes. Math problem's done. She got a miracle. Three minutes, yeah. Pizza technique. I highly recommend it. We throw pizza parties at our house all the time. They are uh, definitely a way of being able to get things done be- yeah. before the pizza comes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so- I, had to, I had one of my kids re-roof the house before the pizza came. <laughs> yeah, change my transmission fluid. <laughs> Here with Dr. Ray at drray.com. Yes, that's where you can get all the books. We'll be right back. We're not going anywhere, though.
Think of the men in your life, your brother, your father-in-law, your neighbor, your coworker, the guy who sits in front of you in, in mass every single Sunday. How are you going to help these guys find freedom as sons of God and help them start living the Christian life? I mean, that's what we're called to do in baptism, right? And one concrete way we can do that to make disciples of men is invite them to Exodus 90 that begins January 9th, 2023. Exodus 90 leads men on a 90-day journey through the book of Exodus, taking them back to the fundamentals of the faith. This is prayer, self-denial, and brotherhood. Dave, the crazy thing is 99% of the people who do Exodus 90 report greater freedom from worldly attachments when they finish. And what's more, doing Exodus 90 in a fraternity versus going it alone can actually make or break a man's 90 days. Right. So again, ask yourself, who are the men in your life that could benefit from doing Exodus 90 this year? Think of their faces in your mind. Right now. Now, outside of your mind, write them down. Make an actual list. The worst thing they can do is say no to you. That's right. And then take action. Take the list of prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit about it and ask the Holy Spirit how you can help them. The Exodus 90 team has created a free resource. This guide will help you in your journey to freedom and help you share the journey with other men. Check out exodus90.com slash catholicmanshow to get your free guide. Welcome back to The Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan, our special guest, Dr. Ray Garendi. All the way from Ohio. That's manly music. I just want to tell you guys that. Thank you. Manly music. Thank you. That thumping bass, you know. A little bluesy, Mm -hmm. you know. Kind of like a... A little grit. Yeah, bluesy, grittish, um, uh, that operatic sort of kind of... You've lost me already. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I mean, last night I was I was preparing for for a fundraiser, and I was telling my wife, I was like, I'm getting ready, I'm getting excited. She goes, Adam, just be yourself. Don't, oh no, you want to raise money? Don't no, try, right, don't try right. to be smart. Yeah, yeah. The women women can really support and I was you like, like that. They can support <laughs> you like that. Just, just be be yourself. Yeah. Don't try to be smart. I mean, not too much yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to. You want to raise money. You don't want to show right, all your cards. Money, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, Doctor, we had a lot of questions uh, that from our patrons. I was going to throw a couple at you. You sure. ready? Okay. So, one was uh, from get it, is this true Patrick. False? Is this true or false? It's not true I'm or better false. At those. No, true or false. This is mm. not true or false. Mm. Pat- Patrick, uh, one of our patrons, he says, as a mental health therapist and a secular job, any ideas on how to maintain a Catholic values while keeping his job? It depends how hard the people in charge push on you. For example, if they if they ask you to accept things that are radically opposed to your moral system, and to not only accept that but to celebrate it, right. then you have a decision to make. However, much of the time, I, I get a lot of folks who come to me not because I'm a Christian, but because they want to talk to a psychologist. Okay, mm-hmm. well, morality is logical, so I will approach them. For example, if a guy comes in. He's going to leave his wife and four kids. He has no Christian beliefs. There's nothing there mm-hmm. that says, why can't I? I've met someone else and I'm happier with this person. Mm-hmm. So I explore the practical ramifications of what's going on. I might say something like, uh, how old are your kids? Well, my oldest is 16. What's your, what's your 16-year-old think of this? Oh, he already doesn't want to talk to me. I see. <laughs> so perhaps in doing this, you're going to lose your son. Yeah, I realize that. So, so does does your girlfriend have a, a children? Yeah, she's got two children from a previous marriage. How are they? Oh, they're brats. 
See, so I go through all of the complications he hasn't thought about. Right. I don't approach it from a perspective of, well, if you call yourself Christian or Catholic, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. That would be meaningless to don't him. Don't you know this against canon law? Yeah, that would be meaningless to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but again, God's morality, if there is a God, he makes total sense. So you can mm-hmm. explore the ramifications mm-hmm. of bad behavior from a logical perspective, from mm-hmm. what is likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's really one of the great things about the faith. Apolo- I mean, even apologetics l- a lot is that you can just talk about the natural law. The natural law points towards the truth, right? And that's that's where we're sitting. So You don't have to appeal to, to the authority of, of religion. Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I would say to this therapist. I say, you don't, you don't have to, as a therapist at all broached the topic of religion. But here's an interesting thing. When I was in grad school, they told us, total neutrality. You do not approach religion. You do not speak religion. You do not in any way raise moral Mm. issues. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking even then, but the client has that, and that's the truth. Most people do have some kind of moral base, whether they base it to religion or it's just their personal way of conducting themselves they have it mm-hmm. and as a therapist you can ask them about that that's that's perfectly legitimate turf mm. you can say so are you a religious person or uh, where in your life uh, do you find your morals you can explore it with them and as any topic they open up is fair game this might be a weird question yeah, uh, that's never, that's never that's, stopped you yeah, ever. Nev- no, yeah. it, you're right. I mean, he's yeah, he's been here how many times on the show, and <laughs> he knows what he got into. Yeah, like, you he, have he, the highest weird question ratio <laughs> of anybody I've ever <laughs> okay. interviewed. You with. know what? I'll, I'll take <laughs> it. You. Yeah, <laughs> but it makes me wonder: Does is virtue in any way like an inoculation against? Uh, psychological problems or you know like if someone's coming to you because they're going to leave their their wife that's not really a psychological issue that they're dealing with that's they need counseling more than like you know mental health help right so so if you if a person pursues virtue in their life does that insulate them from a lot of things i mean you know what i mean like is that going to keep you out of your office? Uh, you know, having to pay Dr. Ray Garendi a presumably large sum at some point in their life. Father Robert Spitzer wrote a book called The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. It just came out. He took secular studies and he compared them to moral law as given by the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And what he found was, Dave, exactly what you're alluding to, which is to the degree that you say, well, I'm going to do it God's way and not necessarily my way, Mm -hmm. the psychological effects are much more positive. The research is overwhelming that that, uh, people who take their faith seriously are generally more content. They have better marriages. Mm -hmm. They enjoy children more. In every way, they're better adjusted across the board as a group, as a group. So, yeah, that's very true. Now, the philosopher, I think Voltaire said, if there is no God, then we should invent him. Because what he's saying is this moral system works. I asked that to a priest hmm. once. I said, Father, what for you is the biggest piece of evidence that Christianity is true? He said, the system works. 
I said, what system? He said, the moral system. You follow the moral system, exactly what you're saying, Dave, mm-hmm. is that there are positive effects that are there. I, one of my books is called Jesus the Master Psychologist. Okay, you guys aren't pushing that, but I had to, I had to yeah. throw it out here. Just, you know. <laughs> hey, we're the amateurs. You're hey, the professional. Okay. Yeah. And I talk about, I take the Lord's words in a lot of places in the gospel, and I say, okay, how does this guidance from Jesus fit modern psychology? Where do they dovetail? Where do they clash? And one of the themes is that modern psychology has come around in their research to understanding a lot of what Jesus said. Now, they won't acknowledge that, geez, this is good. This is exactly what Jesus said. Right. No, they think they found it on a separate track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that came out loud and clear in the book. Or if they had to, they'd say, oh, yeah, Jesus said stuff, but all the major religions, they yeah, all... all the philosophers you know, exactly. of life. Yeah. This, this is the same thing as like when people uh, understand what uh, that intermittent fasting is good, that meditation is good for you. And it's like, hey, the Catholic Church has been saying that fasting, that we should be fasting and praying yeah. since two, for 2,000 years. We, we, we understand this. I found that um, in religion... I have to trust that God knows the better way. You leave it up to me, and I think I'm so smart, and I'm going to make decisions. And one day I look at myself and say, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? I thought I was making good decisions. Mm-hmm. I think the number one reason that people don't pursue God is not because there isn't evidence. There's all kinds of evidence for God. It's because I, do, I don't want to submit. I do not want right. to give up who I am. I want to do it my way, mm-hmm. like the song. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I I have felt that in my own life. You know, even being someone who wants to pursue God, there have just been times where I felt like maybe God's calling me to do something, and I'm very, he- you know, I just... Don't send me to Africa as a right. missionary. Yeah, exactly. Like, And I realize <laughs> I'm avoiding it in prayer. I'm not, you know, not bringing it up. I'm not thinking about it. I'm trying to, like, be Jonah and run away. And then finally, I kind of have this moment of realization, by God's grace, that... Uh, I'm afraid to do this. Like, uh, honestly, and you go to Jesus, this has been tremendously helpful. I say, Jesus, I feel like maybe you're asking me to do this, and the thing is, it freaks me out. I'm afraid that um, if I really trust you, then you'll make me do this, and I don't want to do that. Well, a culture-wide example of that, Dave, is this. In our culture, you can basically have sexual relations however, wherever, with whomever, except if you're married and you have more than 1.86 children, Mm -hmm. then you will get abused and get grief. And people will say, two's enough, two's enough children for me. I said, well, how much do you love your two? Oh, I I never never realized how much I would love. Well, what makes you think a third? No, that's that's, that's scary. And these are Christian Christian folks. Mm -hmm. I hear people say that a lot. All the time. They're scared to take on a third child. You know, the nice thing about having three kids when I had three, People would say, how many children? I said, I have three, one of each. <laughs> they would just look at me. Uh, but but the other thing is, I've never, I mean, I've been a shrink a long time. You know, I've been shrinking for 40 years. I used to be 6'9". And I've See, never... That's impressive. Yeah, it is. Now I'm a jockey. <laughs> one of the things I've never heard anybody say, I had too many children. Right. Never. I've heard plenty say, I wish I'd have had more children. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, when people make those comments about like, oh, two is enough for me, they're not saying that to you. They're saying, I feel like they're saying it to themselves. They're trying to 
convince themselves that's you know, the case. Right. That like it I didn't ask you whether two was enough for you. You know, like that would didn't come up in the conversation. You just kind of like volunteered that. You know, we're just talking you asked me how many kids I have and I told you and then you said, Oh, two is enough for me. It's like, all right, that's cool. Uh, you know, like why'd you say that? It's because I think there's something in the back of their mind that they're trying to maintain uh, this decision, a rationalized decision, perhaps. I don't. What I don't know what it is. You're the, you're the expert. But I just feel like they're really convi- trying to convince themselves, and not me. We live in the wealthiest culture the world has ever seen. We have more food. We have more comforts. We have more options. We have everything. Kings of the world didn't live like we live. Mm-hmm. And yet we say, I don't know, too. That's, that's kind of pushing it. That's kind of right. pushing it. No, you're right. I was excited to have five because now I'm officially weird. And you have a middle child, too. You can't have a middle child with an even number of children. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Haley, Haley's number five, and people, we're, we're the weird stage. Math we're, checks out on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is the Catholic Med Show. We'll be right back. <laughs> the hosts of the Catholic Man Show have produced a practical, helpful, and spiritual uplifting book that helps parents make the connection between church and the domestic church. Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place reminds every Catholic family of their daily duties, responsibilities, and privileges to help each other become saints. That endorsement is from Father Leo Padalingha. Go check out our new book from Ascension Press. You can go to ascensionpress.com or just Google Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Pick one up for you, for your family, for your friends. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a review so that way others can be made aware of the book as well. We want to thank Father Leo Padalinghug for his endorsement of our book, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Welcome back to the Catholic Command Show here with Dr. Ray Garindi. Dr. Ray, how many times a week do people call in asking about their whiny two-year-olds and wanting whiny three-year-olds and wanting it like why? How do I how do I discipline them? I would say that the percentage of calls with the preschoolers mm-hmm. has trickled down to about five percent. Really? I think you know why because. In many respects, it's not a complex issue. So anybody who's listened to the show any length of time is going to hear some ideas on how to deal with a whiny two-year-old or a sure. whiny three-year-old or a whiny husband. Mm-hmm. So because of that, they thought, okay, well, I've, I've, I've picked up from this. And I always said that on the show. I said, you know, if I'm doing my job right, I should get less and less calls. Because yeah. whatever I'm talking about maybe helps somebody and they go, oh, I don't have to call in. He yeah. addressed that two weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what do you what do you what do you suggest to him? My wife used to say when the kids would whine, she'd say, "Are you whining?" Now what that meant was, if you don't stop right now, whatever you're whining for, you're not going to get. Is that simple? She mm-hmm. just go, "Are you whining?" No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm yeah. not whining. <laughs> Ever notice? I think God did this. God put vowels in the English language so you can whine. Think about it. You can't whine with a consonant. No. But, but, no, you can whine with a vowel. Ooh. See? Just about yeah. any, any. Yeah, vowel. any vowel. Any vowel. But you can't yeah. do it with a consonant. 
You know, that may be the closest you could get. Maybe an R. Yeah, a little bit. Like, but, but you're a pirate. Yeah. You're a pirate. <laughs> but you're a pirate. It just sounds ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If, you, if you're going to whine, you at least got to do it right. Yeah, it's, okay? Yeah, we definitely right. don't put up with con- whiny consonants around here. <laughs> we will spell no wine before it's time. That's right. Christopher has another question. He's a patron, uh, also part of our book club, so shout out to him. But uh, what is the criteria for being a strong, loving father? People confuse strong disciplinarian with harshness. Mm-hmm. They confuse that. I always tell them, loud is not strong. Preachy is not strong. Negotiation is not strong. Strong is meaning what you say, backing it up, not my way or the highway, punk. It mm-hmm. is, I'm doing this because this is good for you. For example, uh, when we first adopted our twins, they were four. Totally undisciplined. Oh, man, I kept thinking, what did we do to our family? When I put my son in the corner for the first time, he felt daddy's strength. I didn't hurt him, but I put him in the corner. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me like, this guy looks like he means it. This guy is not negotiable. He put me in the corner. My foster parents never put me in the corner. What is going on here? But there was a demeanor about his daddy. Now, every day, kids see how much you love them. Parents will say that. I just feel mean when I discipline. And I always say, there's a big difference between mean discipline and discipline as mean. You can be mean when you discipline. Leave her alone. Get over there and sit down. And that's not discipline. That's not discipline at all. Mm-hmm. Parents think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to go put your head down at the table there for pushing your sister. I'll tell you when you can lift it. Now, that's not mean. You didn't even raise your voice mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I think what has happened is that our culture, spearheaded by the experts, has decided that authority is a bad word. Let's all just get along. Come, let us reason together with a four-year-old. Mm. And he's going to say, oh, Father, I've been so blind. <laughs> of course, I see what you're saying. Right. That's why you're the grown-up, I'm the child. Right, Right. yeah. Well, in a world of relativism, there is no such thing as authority. I mean, you follow, you are always your own authority if, you know, in a relative world. Well, Fulton Sheen said that if if, uh, we lose authority in the political and the social society, that it's only because we've lost authority in the home first. Yeah, you you can't have a fully functioning society as the family continues to crack. And uh, you guys are going to have to start having a lot more children to counterbalance everybody who doesn't want children. No, I'm working on it. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know yeah. the modal number of children, by the way? Do you remember your statistics? Modal? Do you know what that is? Like the, the average. No, the most common number. That, that's what I meant. Like, not the yeah, average of meant. the number, you, 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 you the you average no number. idea, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most common in a series. So wait, wait, how he says this. He, he's talking to a shrink. He's yeah. going, I, I meant that. That's yeah, what that, I said. I mean, what are you, politician? <laughs> that's not what I said. You just misunder- uh, misinterpreted that's, me. That's my fault. Do you yeah. think I could be a politician? They make tons of money. Yeah, I, mean, I know. If, they if do. you think I could do it, I'll <laughs> sacrifice. willing to give it a sacrifice shot. Yourself. <laughs> Modal is the most common number. Okay, yeah. Most common number of children in the U.S. now? Z- one. It is one. I almost said zero. You're not as dumb as I look. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about uh, disciplining when you have high emotions? Like how... Like. How important is it to not discipline when you have high emotions? We're going to discipline with high emotions. And the reason, not always, but the reason is because your whole heart's wrapped around that kid. 
So when something is at stake like mm-hmm. that, you know, this isn't the neighbor's cat that I'm trying to get off my porch. This is my child that I'm trying to teach something to, and he's not getting it. And as a result, we get very frustrated. Mm-hmm. Two things I think on that. One, you shoot for less and less nastiness. We're going to be nasty. There's no way. You know, you go to, the, go to confession. Bless me, Father. Um, okay. I was really a nice person before children. I really was. I, I was. I was saintly. I, I was. And then they came into I my was house. Patient. Yes. And now I just want to and shoot understanding. a bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> patient. Understand all of the virtues. <laughs> They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> so that's the first thing. You work on that. And the second thing is you do damage control. In other words, if you discipline a kid, and the consequence is legit, but you were nasty, mm-hmm. you go back. You say, "Hey, I'm sorry, man." I am sorry. I that, that daddy should not have yelled like that. Now, many parents make the confusion of, oh, so therefore there is no consequence. Yeah, no, no, no you the can't consequence. Do that, still, yeah. I always tell parents, we're well, not going to go to a judge, and if the judge yells at you, you're going to go, you know, that sentence you gave me is uh, invalid because you yelled. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I still got the sentence. He was nasty. You're right. So uh, this is something that has just been on my mind. We, I was. We kind of mentioned this on the show the other day, but I really like to get your your thoughts on it. So my oldest is seven. Oh, here we go. Free advice. Yeah, free no, advice. No, this yeah. is right. That's what I am Juan, looking for. Juan, please start the meter. Yeah. Start the meter. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. Um, and uh, she's melancholic. So mm. it's a personality, your I'm, temperament. I'm not. Okay. Uh, Shocking. Like really high emotions. Um, and I feel like sometimes in my parenting, I'm doing things that might damage like future lines of oh, communication see, in the like. See, I, parents never used to get caught up in future projection, but now we say, "Well, I did that. What's the reverberations? What's going to happen?" Mm-hmm. Oh, that that's paralyzing parents now. Rather than mm. saying, "My daughter is wired emotional. She's much more emotional than I am. That's who she is." Okay. I'm going to deal with that emotion in the present, and I'm not going to speculate 12 years from now what she's going to be like in college. Sure. Because I don't think I handled it right 12 times back when she was nine. Yeah. I just realized that there are problems in the way I parent sometimes. I'm just not perfect, right? Newsflash. Um, And so... Everybody knows this. Yeah. Especially my kids. (laughs) (laughs) But um, are there things... What what should a parent do to encourage communication between their kids? Because I do want them to have, I, I want to have that relationship where they can come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm not going to be disciplinarian, right? I just don't feel like I necessarily had that with my parents. Some and kids and, are and more I had, I had fantastic parents. Um, but, you know, if I had a question about sexuality or, so I was probably more likely to go to my, my friends, you know, to ask, you know, ask mm-hmm. about it. Um, it was really, yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, I misled him so bad. Oh, man. I think at some point that's just also normal that kids, you know, want, they're going to ask certain things from from, about their peers, you know, but, um, how do you keep just, communication lines yes, open? Thank you. Thank you. That's what I want. Thank you. I was waiting for you to rephrase it for me. <laughs> yeah. You finally got to it. That's why right? he's here. <laughs> First of all, you got, you ask there's a, a very high okay. profile psychological course that said you don't ask questions. Because mm. questions are interrogating. That's nonsense. Mm. You ask. You ask. Okay. What, it's what part of being human. Yeah, what, like, what do you think, how are you? What, what do you like, think would have happened, honey, when you did that? Yeah. So how'd your friend react when you did that? Mm-hmm. You want to do that again? So, so you, you ask. Now, a lot of times, oh, no. Oh, 
Especially boys. Yeah, whatever. Now, when there was something, for example, that we needed to know on something, it happened, and we had to get to the bottom of it, and they didn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, you go sit on your bed till you're ready to tell me. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I'm, I'm not going to let you skirt the issue with the silent treatment. It's not going to happen. Some kids are more communicative than others. I mean, some my daughters, some of my daughters, I used to say, every thought in your head doesn't have to come out your mouth. Okay. She didn't believe you. No, no. There's three reasons why she yeah. didn't believe you. The first. <laughs> That's exactly right. My son, how'd you, how'd you do in school today? What'd you do? Stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. How, uh, what, what else? Other stuff. <laughs> how was it? It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Good. What's your teacher's name? She didn't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? He's probably thinking like, that's about all yeah, that much. I have what to say. What else do you want to know? Listen, I'm not actually hiding anything from you. You know, like, I get moms will fine. do that. Moms will do this with their 13-year-old boy. They'll say, I don't, he just doesn't communicate with me. Well, what, what's, what's he like at school? Oh, he's fine at school. Well, does he have friends? Oh, yeah, he's got a lot of friends. What's his mood like? Oh, he's a 13-year-old boy. He's great and he's happy. So, uh-huh. okay, so you're extrapolating from the fact that maybe he's not as communicative as you'd like him to be. But overall, the picture is a pretty positive one. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have anything to say. It's hard for sometimes women, especially, to realize we guys don't have anything to say. Right? <laughs> like, what are you thinking about? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, you thinking about? How could you think Honestly, about nothing? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I wasn't thinking about nothing. I don't really sure. Not really sure what I was doing. Extreme <laughs> example of that: the marriage counseling. I'll have to do this after the break. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're coming on. Yep. Uh, so go check us out on thecatholicmanshow.com. Uh, we have over 360 episodes from the last six years here at Dr. Ray Garendi. Check him out, drray.com. For over 35 years, Select International Tours has been planning pilgrimages all across the world, and they've been doing that for a reason. Yeah, if you guys have listened to our show, then you know that we just got back from Ireland. Uh, We used Select International Tours to book our pilgrimage to Ireland. Everything went just great. It went exactly how we planned it. Right. right? In fact, one of the pilgrims uh, said that it was his the best pilgrimage he's ever been on. Right. I mean, so the thing is, they know what they're doing. If if you want to go on a nice pilgrimage uh, that's really you know oriented around experiencing the Catholic faith um, in some of the most historic, most important sites all over the world for the history of our faith, go to selectinternationaltours.com. They have pilgrimages going everywhere in the world all the time just because you know they, they do it so well, everybody wants to use them. That's right. And if you go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow, you'll be one of the first ones to know when we're planning our next pilgrimage, which spring or summer 2024. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. We want to thank Select International Tours for being a sponsor of our show, The Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, special guest Dr. Ray Garendi. We got Juan Posada on the buttons. Jimbo Baggins here in studio. You guys rudely cut me off with that music when I was about to make a good point. Yes. Well, we we do have that button where we just push it every time. Extreme example. It's a, it's a power move. It yeah. is. It is. You yeah. guys control everything. A stream example of the difference in communication styles between men and women. Marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. I will do marriage counseling. the woman will have a very long list 
of what it is that she's unhappy about in the marriage and how her husband could improve. Mm-hmm. And I'll turn to the husband, and he might say, and this is not always, but at times, I thought everything was okay. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> so there, there, that's an extreme example, but it is there. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, yeah, she kind of nags me sometimes, but I'm, you know, but I'm, you th- I'm fine with that a little bit, you know. <laughs> but do you think that's just from a lack of obviously being a little self-aware, but also not providing time to spend with your wife? Yeah, I think we guys, we aren't naturally as communicative. We're not. As a group, guys don't have the verbal skills. We're not as communicative. We're not as uh, socially insightful. And women Mm -hmm. notice things. You know, my wife might say, she doesn't like you at all. Huh? She doesn't? How'd you pick that up? Well, didn't you see how her one hair right on her ear went up right that when she said that? (laughs) No. Oh, I didn't man. know she had hair yeah, on her ear. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the first thing. But I always tell guys, when they come into my office, do you know why your wife thinks like that? Do you know why your wife thinks you don't stick up for her with your mother? I think that's a key. Do you yep. know that? And they'll look at you. No. Well, how long have you been married? 18 years. You have never asked her? You've never sat and said, I really want to know. Tell me, please, why you think I don't discipline like I should why you think I I'm really letting you take the spiritual lead in this house mm-hmm. you got to get inside somebody's head people will say that to me they'll say well when somebody comes into the office and they tell you all this wretched stuff about their lives do you within the first five minutes go oh oh gosh that's terrible oh what are you saying no I say I got to get inside their head I got to try to figure out how they got to that point, why they think the way they do. Mm-hmm. I got to sit there and just really kind of explore. And I tell that to spouses, you got to know why your spouse thinks the way they do. Even if you think it's nonsense, you got to at least be able to understand it. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. And that's something that takes practice to hear someone say something that you disagree with and not. Right away quick. Yeah. And Boom. not try to refute it. And I mean, because it's I I have a natural reaction to like, oh, well, let me tell you, even if it's let me tell you you why even if it's from a charitable place, you are thoughtless. (laughs) I am not. You got to look at yourself instead of saying, give me some examples of why you think. Yeah, tell me why. Tell me why you think that. Yeah, Yeah. because even if I'm like, oh, out of charity, let me explain to you why that's wrong. Like, Uh, you're gonna love (laughs) this. Out of charity, gentle. You're gonna find this so interesting. Spouse will say, yeah, oh. That clarifies it. You know, it's like the old comedian, he says, when somebody says, what did you mean by that? The conversation never ends with, oh, now I know what you meant by that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I, mean, I have to tell this story. This is a story about Adam and Haley, and I just think it's a hilarious story. Oh, great. This is like Adam and Haley were like just married, and I was... I don't know what he's going to say. I was in the back... We, we all lived together, the three of us, for a few months right after... Adam and I lived together after college, and then Haley came Intruded. into the picture that's yeah, right that's i mean it was, it was i didn't it was a cool setup though i mean we I didn't say to anything. play video games and then dinner just showed up yeah, like, it was it was any, pretty cool anyway we were like coming home from being somewhere the three of us adam and Haley in the front seat Haley was upset about something and adam had the social iq <laughs> wherewithal of a slugworm to know <laughs> oh something uh, something is something bothering is Haley. Wrong. So she hasn't as, talked for twelve miles. As, <laughs> as we're pulling into the driveway, and I'm just like back there watching. Adam, he's like, I'm going to um, inquire. 
about my love, my beloved bride. And he goes, Haley, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Oh, nice <laughs> choice of words. And she goes, nothing's wrong with me. And she went inside. And I just started laughing once she left the it's car. A, it's a learning start, process. Started, yeah. Mr. Smooth. It was, <laughs> well done, Adam. Yeah. I thought I could tell something was wrong. And so I asked, what's wrong with you? Like, but that was not the right. No, and and a uh, taking from the wife manual one hundred three section sub B, mm-hmm. she could have said, "If you don't know, I'm not about to tell you." That's a good one too. Yeah, sure. I like that yeah. one. So when you do counseling with people, is it fifty fifty? I mean, like, I don't know if it's usually if you can tell, like, all right, these people have a problem. It's one spouse's fault, or it's like, or is it both of? You know, is it usually like you both got problems? Is it very often like, all right? Honestly, one of you, you're just like, you're kind of causing the problem. Is it usually both? Is it usually the man, the woman? Is it like, what percentage? What are percentages here? It's never 50-50. Uh-huh. It can be 90-10. can be 70-30. It depends on the, and on the issue to use psychobabble. But you are right. There are some situations where it becomes very, very clear that one spouse is unbelievably difficult to live with and the other spouse is doing everything they can to get along. Mm -hmm. That makes therapy tough because you do have to broach the difficulty of the other spouse at least somewhat. And for people who have stormed out of my office, that's usually when it happens. Mm -hmm. And I'll Mm -hmm. tell you a twist on that. Sometimes I will get a spouse that will come in and say, I'm the Christian. I'm the one who takes my faith seriously. My spouse doesn't. So as therapy proceeds, I will bring the point up and say, well, if you're the Christian, your spouse is not, you're operating by a different set of rules. What you believe really asks you to be kinder, more Mm -hmm. forgiving, more serving, more tolerant. Some of them don't want to hear that at all because their view is, that spouse is a jerk. Uh-huh. I'm the holy one. And so when I say to them, you might want to look at some of these things you profess and how that would be in your marriage, forget that. I'm not coming back. I've had that happen. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. One lady crushed up the check and threw it on my desk. And walked still caches, though. Yeah, I unwrinkled it. Yeah, 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 yeah still yeah. caches. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Uh, I do have a question on parenting as far as you had, you had 10, kid, 10 children. The importance of being able to have one-on-one time yeah, with the child that disappeared. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, but how do you how do you keep how do you keep that 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 bond together yeah. with with your children sure. like individualized while you still have so many children? How, how does that work? About our fourth or fifth kid, I said to my wife, "You know, I'm starting to feel like I can't do the things with each child that I want to do." Uh-huh. And my wife said, "Well, Ray, that's partly why they have brothers and sisters." Okay, so that's part of it. The other thing is, way, way back, I wrote a book called Back to the Family, where we interviewed strong families around the country. And one of the things the kids always remembered when they grew up is they had one-on-one time with their dad. Dad took them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Dad that's, hey, I'm going to run it in. You want to come with me? Now, the 8-year-old jumps at it. The 13-year-old goes, I'm okay. I'm okay. Don't wake me up. Mm-hmm. But I tell parents, you still insist. You do not allow a 13-year-old to say, I don't want to be with you. No. That... My son played high school basketball, and I would, before the game, sit about four seats back in the bleachers. Right opportunity before the game started, I went down on the floor, right on the floor in front of the, front of the bench. 
and I hugged him and kissed him, my 17-year-old son. And I said, Petey, and I, as, a, as a father, you got to be very, very affirming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, Petey, try not to stink the joint out. <laughs> and he would laugh. And I, there's no way my son is going to tell me I can't hug him. And kiss. I don't care how old you are. That's not going to happen. Sure. And later on, I asked him, I said, hey, Pete, how do your friends react to your old man coming down there and just giving you a hug and a kiss on the cheek? And he said, Dad, a couple of them came up to me and said, I wish my dad would do that. Hmm. So much for the old don't touch me in public. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I just find it that as, you know, you're obviously growing with children. You know, children are, are, are your, your, your family's growing. It's get, it, you have to be much more intentional with being able to spend time with kids. You guys are out of sync with the culture. Your yes. standards are higher. You're more protective. You're more vigilant. You're homeschool. So you're out of sync with the way the culture is flowing. That means your kids are going to get to a point, where some of them anyway, are going to look out there and say, how could all those people be wrong and you be right? That's going to happen oh, at some already point. Had. Yeah, it, okay? it, it's happening right now. And always, Cell phones or they're devices. Huge. huge. Yeah. That's the number one mistake parents make. Way, way too early. But anyway, I tell dads, you, if you're not naturally affectionate, you better work at it. Because nothing conveys to that kid that these high standards are not my way or the highway punk. They're because I love you. And affectionate is huge in terms of hugs, in terms of kisses. There is no way my kids are going to say to me, I don't want you to hug me and I don't want you to kiss me. That's, that's not going to happen. Plus, I'm Italian, you know. When I kiss you, that means something. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, what is the most important thing? You said biggest mistake people make giving cell phones oh, yeah. to the to the kids. What's the like that's the biggest thing not to do? Not to do. Like what's the single most important thing to do as a parent? I would say do your very best to soak them in a very realistic faith. Not a puritanical okay. we're holier than thou and we're going to do all the the pious devotions without a warmth in your home. Mm-hmm. You can do all the pious devotions but there better be a lot of warmth in that home. That's the big thing is warmth. If you got the warmth, you can be a strong disciplinarian with warmth. You really can. Mm-hmm. You know, if I give you a 500-word essay for being disrespectful to your mother, you're not going to look at me like, Dad, you're a jerk because every way I show you how much I care for you, and you may think I'm a jerk at the moment, but it's not going to linger. That's the big thing. Uh, just more, well, that's, more the, that's the importance of, of husband and wife being on the same page. Right? Lots of the, love, the, lots of discipline. Yeah, right. there it is. Lots of love, lots of discipline. Yeah. Dr. Ray, thanks so much. We're out of time on the radio. I had more to say. Well, good good news. We're going to do some more on the podcast. Okay. So if you're uh, tuning in on the radio, go check us out on the CatholicCommandShow.com. Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Okay, I want to talk about the effects of iPads, phones, yes. with children. I have already told my children... Just be prepared. You will be the last of all of your friends. Wedding rehearsal dinner. I'm going to present it to right. you. Right. Yeah. Like, I, and, I ju- just and I think that is a, as a competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now a competition. Like, all right. Fine. We can compete. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like if you can buy it. You know, if you're not in my house and you can buy a cell phone, great. But they'll they'll sneak it. I mean, uh, one or two of your kids will sneak it. Their friends will give them one because your parents are psychos. That's why oh. we had that. We had took five away from one of my daughters. Friends wow. Kept, friends kept giving them to her. Man, 
So, <laughs> I have, I have no, yeah. Wow, I hadn't even thought plot of that. Plot twist. I, yeah, plot yeah. twist is right. Yeah. yeah. So how how do you and manage did they that? work? Oh yeah. Like they, they had were old. They, they were, were older, 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 but they phones. still like would make calls and stuff. iPhone fours oh, yeah. and fives. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so they like their parents like were still paying for the cell phone plan on these old phones and oh, they, they, they Wi-Fi. I mean, too. I guess you could yeah, use it as a device. Yeah. yeah. So how do you how do you manage this as a as a parent? Oh man, it's rough. It's really rough. I mean, there were there were times she was hostile. She ran away for a week. Mm-hmm. She's back now. I didn't. I should have got an unlisted address. <laughs> should have moved. I had I had the opportunity. Man, I had seven days. God, man, <laughs> they build homes in seven days. <laughs> should have gone to Montana. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the stuff you dealt with, and and that was the difference between my oldest son and her is millennia in technology mm-hmm. millennia he, he when he went to college with his with his sister they had a walkie-talkie yeah mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but but man she wants the latest greatest smartphone i mean your son you said he's 35 that i mean i'm 36 so i mean yeah i remember getting my first phone and it had snake the game you yeah. know and that was pong like, yeah. right yeah i mean it's like oh sweet there's a game on here Whoa. you know with this on this like one inch by one inch screen mm-hmm. you know and you, honestly you want to talk about a tough game like <laughs> let's see you get past level 50 on snake yeah. okay you don't you don't want to know the most popular games for adolescent boys they're vile they are unbelievably mm. vile they're so horrid what does i mean i'm sure they've done studies or oh, yeah. what, on this kind of technology when should a person, because I kind of wonder, even as a young adult, like at 23, uh, you know, are you ready for a self? I mean, like, if, well, if you don't have discipline. Well, it, it sucks in most people, even adults. It does. It's just, oh, right, absolutely. the world is right here. Exactly. Yeah. You can't stop it. Very, uh-huh. very few people are not really attached to their phones. I feel that, and I try to resist it. Like, I've developed rules for myself to try to fight back against the the phone addiction for, you know where i have two seconds where i'm not doing anything and there's this kind of reaction to like Grab pull your phone. phone out just look at it red, i mean red light pull your phone right out. exactly so i have rules that i don't pull my phone out in an elevator uh just because that's you know you get on an elevator and there's other you know the elevator opens there's like three people in there and they all are just staring at their phone you know, you well, might, you might, back in the old day, you might say like, hello. Yeah. No, that's gone. Yeah. That's gone. And so and I have a rule. irretrievably changed our social Absolutely. Structure. So when is, is there a good time? Trustworthiness is the big factor. Trustworthiness. Uh, most parents do not have safety devices on the phone. They Covenant, don't, they don't covenanteyes.com. Yeah. Or WiseFone or mm-hmm. any one of the apps that can put everything over onto your phone that that's on that phone. They don't. 50% some don't. Of any kind of devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost only a matter of time before every parent gets burned. And it's not a reflection that you didn't do well as a parent. It's like there are companies that are strategically going after your your children to ruin their innocence. Actively. Well, paying sure. big money. Yeah, it's profit motive. Of mm-hmm. course, right. they don't really care about your kid. And constantly changing their tactics, right? You know, like, oh, Covenant Eyes blocks this. Okay, well, you know, then Let's the, porn, that. the mm-hmm. porn companies uh, change it so that, you know, it's now something different. And One of the most common things parents come to me with is what has happened from the smartphone with their kid. Really? I saw a statistic that uh, this particular survey, what percentage of boys ages 11 to 19 have seen pornography? Almost 100? Yeah, it's 90%. Mm-hmm. 
And if, if you don't go after it, it's going to come after you. Mm-hmm. Or say a 12-year-old girl who's madly in love with a classmate. And the parents say, well, we don't want them to date till they're 16. Yeah, but she's already in love with this kid because she's been texting him for the last four months. Mm-hmm. He's her world mm-hmm. now at age 12. That happens all the time. And, and, oh, and even the more at benign 12? stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The, the average age of a smartphone now is between 9 and 10. That's the average age. So I can't you, wait to break that. Well, average. If you hold out till thirteen, <laughs> right. here's the thing: if you hold out till thirteen, you're now in the bottom five percent. But can you wow. imagine? It takes a special kind of kid to go. Well, I agree with my parents. Uh uh-uh. uh uh uh. Parents parents yield. They truly yield because they're afraid of my child's going to be isolated. My child's going to resent me. My child's going to get deceptive. My child's going to have psychological problems. And if they go to therapists, mm-hmm. the therapists almost always tell them, I, you need to ease up on that. So I always, I always tell folks, if my kids go astray, I can live with myself if they had to go through me. I don't know if I could live with myself if I stepped aside, if I yielded. Mm-hmm. If I said, I don't think this is a smart thing, but because everybody's doing it, I better yield. Right. And in the past, like when kids said, all my friends are doing it, it was hyperbole. It's not but now. Now it's not. No, it's I mean, true it's, now. Ap- it's absolutely it's, true. It's right. You're, I mean, you're going to be countercultural. I mean, look at kindergartners. There are, if you go to a, you know, go to the local school in the kindergarten class, there's probably a handful of them yes. who have a cell phone. Yes. And they can't even read. You know, like somehow, and they can still use the phone. You know, I get it. Kindergartners can use technology, but it's like, it's just ridiculous to be giving them a phone. Sometimes parents will use this rationale. It's probably the number one rationale. Well, it's a safety factor. I need right. to know where they are. And I say, okay, well then get them a flip phone or get them a track phone or get mm-hmm. them a phone that has only three numbers. Now, you present that to a child for the safety factor. How do they react? And they don't want, they don't uh, want it. Ew. Right. They ew, don't want what, do you, that? what do you do with that? Oh, I'm not going to put that out in front of my friends. Uh-huh. There's no way I'm going to do that. Where's the crank to get it started? And you say it's right here. <laughs> and that's what happens. So it's not the safety factor. No. I want the latest and greatest, and that's how I'm going to justify this with mom and dad who are dragging their feet. Mm-hmm. I would say by age 13, very few kids don't have a smartphone. Girls are much more likely to be pulled into it because they're more verbal, they're more sociable. Right. The boys sometimes can just put it in a drawer and not even think about it. But there are certain rules you can do, too. For example, no, no smartphone in the bedroom. There's no way you're taking this phone to bed. Teachers will tell you kids are sleep deprived because they're spending so much time on the phone at night when they should be sleeping. Yeah. Very common. Mm. They will also tell you that the kids cheat. They take a picture of the test on the phone. Mm. They sell it to their friends. Mm. I mean, there should be no technology in schools. In the bedroom. I mean, none in the bedroom, none in the schools. No television. There's no reason to have a television in, in your kid's room. If your kid doesn't, you're a minority. Really? Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Team. We don't. You're a minority. We don't have a TV. We have one that does Man, not you work. You really are Amish. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're carving. They're carving the the, the chairs downstairs <laughs> right now. That I'm I'm surprised. But I did not know that. that oh yeah. Most kids have a television oh, in their bedroom. Oh yeah. Wow. What's the What's the psychological issue? Like the damage between by that by social media by having a TV. It, it takes it, more and more strength as a parent to resist that flow. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down so to. So fortitude is the, it, is the key. I used to say parents want to be psychologically correct, you know, to do the appropriate things according to the experts. I think it goes beyond that now. I think they parent in fear. Really? What will happen if I don't do this? Hmm. I'll give you a small example. Years and years ago, a lady came up to me after a talk. I was talking to some school. And she said, my, my son won't ride the bus. 
well, well, how old's your son? Well, he's a senior. He won't ride the bus. Why is that? Well, s- seniors don't ride the bus. That's that's the new that's the new peer thing. If you're a senior, you don't ride the bus. You either have somebody bring you to school from your friends, or you drive. You drive your own car. Yeah. And I said to her, I said, hmm. And the parents have yielded to this. She goes, yeah, for the most part. He won't be the only one on the bus that's a senior. I said, you know, it's only a matter of time before it's going to be juniors and sophomores. And it is. It is. If you have any other mode of transportation in now, high school. Now it's probably freshmen now. Right. Yeah. That, that the kids set the tone. They basically said, you can't make me get on that bus. Now, buses ain't exactly the safest places in the world. <laughs> Morally and emotionally, right. they're, they're, they're far safer than cars, especially teenage-driven cars. But the parents have yielded. They've essentially said, I can't. I can't make this happen because my child will go crazy. My child will hate me. My child will resist. Guy come, guy came up to me a couple months ago. I was raking leaves. Did you see a 15-year-old girl walk through here? No. My daughter ran away. And he ran up to the house. An hour later, I go to the door. I said, uh, did you find your daughter? Yeah, she came back. You took her phone, didn't you? How'd you know? I said, because if you want an indicator of how attached that kid is to that phone, take it. When they've done something wrong with it, take it. Many parents will tell me, he, he won't hand it to me. He will not hand it to me. That doesn't work. That is not working in this house. No. Yeah, and I think if you have, like, in this okay, house. if you absolutely have decided as a parent, you know, we need a, a phone, uh, it's not the kid's phone. Like, if I was, like, I'm just going to say, if I was going to make that, this is my phone. Dad has two phones. All right. And this I have this is another one I will let you use when you need to, but it is not your phone. Um, in fact, nothing in this house belongs to you. Okay, I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> you see your name on the deed. I, I have to I have done that with the kids before when they're like fighting over a doll. Uh, it's like she took my doll. It's like, you know what? That is actually my doll. I own everything in this house. All of it is mine. See those fillings in your teeth? Right, I have exactly. Those. <laughs> Because it's, it's, my all, mercy. it's all mine, and I share it with you. And so I expect you to share it with each other. And now that's you know the way that, it is. That many people would look at that. You have, as a parent, you have to have confidence that as it, your home is loving, and those things that you do and say are out of sync with the culture, and you have to have enough confidence in yourself to do that. Because if you take a poll of 100 parents, 84 of them are going to look at you and say, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous doing that to your kids. I'm telling you, we used to go. That should be a badge of honor, actually, yeah. at this point. We used to go get the kids' meals, but uh-huh. they never got the toy. Uh-huh. Because I always said, hey, guys, we're taking you out to eat. You know, you list, list, big list of food here you can order from. You don't need a toy every time. Yeah. No clerk ever looked at us and said, wow, that's great. Good thinking. <laughs> oh. No. What? Dad, this is your dad. You can call children's services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we. That's so funny. It's the same thing. Uh, so, have you heard of push presents? Have you heard of this? Uh-uh. When your wife has a baby, is that what it is? Yeah, so r- before your wife has the baby, the the father is supposed to provide a present for the for the wife. Or right after the baby's born, or, you know, for pushing the baby for out. For pushing, yes. And so what it does is it says, the baby isn't enough. The baby is not the gift. It's... I have now provided something material for you. I think it is total nonsense, and it is, it is just backwards in 
the idea of what is taking place. Not that you couldn't get your wife a gift. I'm not celebration. Yeah. I'm not. I, I took my. That. I took my sure. wife after every adoption. We went to the Golden Corral. Yeah, and I said, that's right. and, yeah. and ba- you can have a diet place. coke. I'll yeah, get you diet coke. Right, all the refills you want, babe. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I just don't understand this idea that we have to. We take the the, the greater good, and we we just neuter it by giving a, a a lesser good. The culture says, "This is what you do." Mm-hmm. For all of human history, it took decades, if not centuries, to change cultural attitudes. Because why? You were relatively isolated with your clan, your tribe your people. Now you can alter perceptions in minutes by the millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So therefore the cultural tsunami is so powerful mm-hmm. that most parents just get caught up in it and if oh we, we, we do a push present, okay, well that's that's yeah. everybody does. Everybody so does. Do you just do yeah. it. I mean it's great if it's a gift. Like if you want to get your yeah. wife a gift, I'm that's not, great. Yeah, I know you and I know yeah. you're not saying that. But if there's an expectation that I, I will. Just want to say, I, like, I just want to be like now. It's, the baby is the gift, and and that's the greatest but, gift. That but you if can it's have. an expectation, if it's a standard, it's not a gift. It's a payment. Well, when we adopted, you know, when we adopted, uh, on our drive to the adoption agency, I got I got her one of those um, things for the car, those uh, fragrance things. Oh yeah, the go. trees. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. We adopt the child. <laughs> we're gonna get you a fragrance tree. Who doesn't I'm love s- those? I'm sensitive. <laughs> yeah, I'm caring. Yeah. I'm loving. Come on. <laughs> Dr. Ray, where can they find your books? DrRay.com, D-R-R-A-Y.com. All 18 of them are there regarding the faith, regarding parenting, regarding marriages, regarding emotions and anger, regarding um, getting in trouble because you're too Christian, all that stuff. Grandparent books. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the grandparent book. Yeah, yeah. I got that one there. J- Jim, has, hold on, Jim has a question. We, one, we la- la- one last thing. I, I love to hear this every time you talk is... Could you address the parents and grandparents that have had their children leave the faith? Yes. yes. Catholic faith or any Christian faith. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, that's probably the number one referral I get from older parents. They're, they're, they're devastated. Mm-hmm. That, that their children or grandchildren left the faith. Left the faith. Left the faith. Okay. Gone. Uh, if you look at the millennial statistics, it's 40% now claim no religion at all, which is sky high. Wow. Mm-hmm. And moms especially blame themselves. They 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 flagellate themselves over their shortcomings. They didn't do it right. Something happened. Mm-hmm. So all of your listeners and you guys help me out on this. I'm going to ask several questions and please just answer yes or no. Listen, okay. I was not good at tests. That's all right. This is you, you got a fifty fifty chance. It's not right. very good for right. me. Is is there a God? <laughs> yes. yes. Christ God. Yes. yes. Was he sinless? Yes. Yes. Could he perform miracles? Yes. yes. Did he have a perfect understanding of human nature? Yes. yes. I'm doing good so far. So on this. far. I just I'm bad a thousand. Yeah. Hall could, of Fame. Could he get most people to follow him? Mm. No. 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 The God man himself couldn't get most people to follow him. Even one of his 12. So who do Betrayed him. As parents, we think we are that there's some kind of spiritual formula that I just didn't apply right. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand being sad and devastated because your children have left the faith. Sure. But... Good, loving parents who tried their very best as humans now, because they can all say, well, I could have done better. Yes, you could. Couldn't we all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To beat yourself up. You know, my kids are all grown now, and some of them have very much embraced the faith, and some of them are drifting. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm not going to tie my happiness to the choices they make. I'm not going to do that. 
I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to love them as best I can, even some of their stupid choices. But I'm not going to allow that to pull me down. I can't. When our Lord says, I give you peace, there's no asterisk there that says, unless your children have left the faith. Right. (laughs) No peace for you. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, do you just like, if they leave the faith, do you tell them like, you're dead to me? Don't ever. (laughs) What's your name? What's your name again? (laughs) Don't don't ever want to see you on this porch again. You You know, know? the other thing that parents struggle with is the idea that they leave the faith and then they live immorally according to the faith. You know, she's living with her boyfriend Uh or maybe he has a homosexual relationship or some some aspect of his life is counter to the faith. Well, what do you do? I mean, I want to love him. I mean, he wants to bring his girlfriend to our house. They've been living together for a year. She wants to come to our house for Christmas Eve. Okay, she comes to your house for Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. You are asked you are asked to love. But I don't approve of that. I don't want to condone it. You're not condoning it. Right. It's not like you're gonna give him a it's not like you're giving him a bedroom in your yeah, house. Yeah, you're you know? not. You're just simply saying, I'm going to love you because you're making these decisions that are bad for you, but I still love you tremendously, and that's the only way you're gonna win him back. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if they are coming to stay for days and days, that does get that's you know, tr- that can be get, it's ticklish trickier. yeah mm-hmm. ticklish i always say to parents you raised them for 20 years so they know how you think right. you don't have to keep telling them <laughs> i think you should go to church they know you think they should go to church what are you going to keep saying it right it's like father said last night you keep pushing like that and they just dig their heels in and retreat mm-hmm. it doesn't do any good part of the problem is parents feel compelled to do that you know why because they feel they failed so i gotta fix it I gotta, right. I gotta fix it. That's da- that's dad's right. We, and we I used want to, to fix I used everything. to be able to fix things with authority, you know. And but you can't. Any, you know, there comes anymore. a point where, yeah, your your authority is not the same. My wife always says, "We are raising people." Mm, yeah. Dr. Wright, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Always a good time to be with you guys. You know, you got the man show, but I really am offended because they told me when I came on the show you wanted to call it the grandpa show. That hurt. That hurt. That hurt. Hi, this is Bishop David Condorla of the Diocese of Tulsa in Oklahoma. So let us pray. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen.